good, Oscar? Okay, we are going to be looking in First Chronicles as we kind of talk a little bit about what it means when it comes to the, the future is now. We're looking towards another campaign, a, a significant one here as we can get this thing completely done and finish the second building over here uh, for our needs. And so uh, the future is now. In other words, we're working, we're working today not just for what's accomplished today, but we are looking to the future. A church that look, doesn't look to the future, doesn't think about the future, is doomed to, to crash and burn, to be real honest with you. The building over here, I remember when we moved in, I saw a uh, 25th anniversary booklet for the church that used to own this building, the original church, Brethren. I think it was called Long Beach Brethren. And that building, if I'm not mistaken, the, build, the, the main where we used to have our, our services, they finished that building in 1950, and it was 1975. By the way, that was a thriving church. Yeah. Do you know they ran buses? Yeah. I saw the pictures. They were, they were all over it, and, and I don't know what happened from 1975 until um, 1994 when we first saw this building, and we were thinking about renting at that time because that church had already, already disbanded. And, um, and we were looking at renting it, and they didn't, that didn't work out at that time. And then in uh, 2002, I believe it was, we, we made an offer on the building. And you know how you usually go back and forth, like, we'll offer. Well, they took our very first offer. And then by the time we bought it, they took $100,000 off, and we're like, yeah, that's fine. That, that's a good deal. Um, so uh, we have to look for the future. The future is now. Uh, we do the work we're doing now looking to also continue the work in the future long after we are gone. Everything we do must be tied to the purpose of the church. Our purpose is really found in the Great Commission. We want to reach our city, our community, our country, our world, and also, just as important, the next generation. Our country is in a mess. I don't know if you know that. And one of the reasons our country is in a mess is because uh, somebody through the school systems and they kicked God out, they started raising the next generation. We have a bunch of uh, kids running around now becoming adults. They don't even know how to have critical thinking and, and everything, and whether it's their entertainment, social media, everything is, not, is pushing them away from anything that would be righteous and right in God's eyes. And I understand that. That's just how society works. But we need to have, a, we need to have a, a plan to reach this world and to reach the next generation. It's very important. We can't be so nearsighted that we only think about today. And by the way, what we're doing does benefit us today. Okay? But we have to also have an eye towards the future. We need to leave something here for the next generation. I don't want this church 10, 15, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, not to be what it is today. Long after I'm gone, I want it to be going in the right direction. That was Pastor Esposito's vision, and we're still trying to fulfill that to this day. A couple things we have to remember. When things are going well in the, pre in the present, it's easy to get content so we don't think about the future. You know, and, and that's one of the things of our society. All we think about is today, you know. We're not, we're not worried about what's going to be 15, 20 years from now, and we should. It'd be very easy to look at it. People maybe my age, which I'm not old, I'm older, 
okay? <laughs> but, but I'm a lot farther down the road than my children. And I'm way farther down the road than my grandchildren. And I don't want to be so nearsighted that everything's good for me now that I'm not thinking about what about my family, what about my grandchildren down the road. I want something for them. God's given us victories in the past, but we still have opportunities for the future. David is a great illustration of using his present work while at the same time thinking about the future work. David had wanted to build the temple. He initially got the go-ahead from the prophet Nathan. First Chronicles chapter uh, 17, it, verse 1, it says, I'll read it to you. Now it came to pass as David sat in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in a house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. And Nathan said unto David, Do that all that's in thine heart, for God is with thee. David's just sitting there, and the prophet's sitting there. He goes like, man, I got a nice house here, and, and the, the, it's, it's, God's, it's, just, it's out under a tent. And Nathan's like, great idea. God's with you. Until Nathan gets home, God's like, you didn't ask me about this. God basically tells Nathan, no, David's not the guy who's going to build it. David's been a man of war. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. God needed him for that at that time. He goes, he's going to have a son. His son's going to be a man of peace. I'm going to give him a peaceful kingdom. He's the one that's going to build the temple, not you, David. Now, if we think about how we would have looked at that, we would have said, great. I don't have to deal with it. My son's going to deal with it. I can just live out the rest of my days and know that my son is going to, to build that house and everything's going to be fantastic. But that's not how David thought. In fact, that didn't stop David from thinking about God's house. That motivated David when it came to the temple and to God's house. And so David decided, I am going to do everything I can while I'm alive to help prepare so that when my son takes over and he starts building the temple, he will have not everything, but he'll have pretty much all that he needs to get that project done. And so he did that. You look throughout there. David won wars. He'd get the, he'd get the, he'd get the stuff from the spoils of war. And he, this is for Solomon. He encouraged everybody and he did everything he can. What was David doing? David was looking to the future in the present, in the now. David's concern was not just with his work as it was as much as it was with God's purpose. And that's the key thing in life. Yes, we all have things we have to deal with. Yes, we all have things we have to, 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 to do on a daily basis for our families and for ourselves. But if that's all we focus on and we have no greater purpose than that, what is life? We live, we die, we move on, and we've never left anything for anybody else. We don't want to be like that. David did not get comfortable in his passion for God. David's a great example of somebody who was like Paul that says, listen, from the time Paul got saved, he was 100% on for God, starting churches, doing missionary work, and encouraging people to go forward. That should be us. Continuing to the end and even beyond that by our faithfulness to God. But here's the problem. It is so easy to get comfortable. It is. 
It is so easy, and by the way, especially if things are going good for you, and it's just like, everything's okay, I don't want to upset the apple cart, I just, everything's good for me, let's just move on with our lives. What about the future? Let's get beyond ourselves, and let's think about the future. Let's not get, let's not get comfortable. Now, what are some ingredients, what are some of the important things in David's life that reminded him? that the future is now. There has to be some spiritual qualities in our life if we're going to think outside of ourselves. We're going to think outside of what's going on for us right now to be invested. Look, and it would be very easy to say, I'm not going to get involved in this building campaign. I'm okay with just meeting in the auditorium. Well, what about the future? There, there's so many other things going on we have to do, and it's just a matter of we need some space to do it. We need to keep going forward. And by the way, we've started new ministries in the last few years. And there's others we want to start. But we've got to have a way and a place to do that. But what are some things that were important to David that helped him to think about the future? Let me give you a couple. First of all, the importance of church. Just the importance of church. Look at verse number one of the verses that we read. Then David said, uh, this is the house of the Lord. This is the altar of the burnt offering. And David commanded to gather, gather together the strangers that were in the land of Israel. David said, you know, that what I'm doing here, what I'm building, I'm building something for God. I'm building a house for the Lord, a place for God to be worshipped, a place to do business for God. Church is important. Can I just say that? Well, this isn't COVID. COVID's over. You know, we made, we, made, we made church irrelevant during COVID. And I understand. Don't, we shut down, and it was important at that time. But the fact of the matter is, COVID didn't make church irrelevant. For a lot of people, it was irrelevant before COVID ever hit. Right? I heard this one guy, and I don't know who he was, and he was getting with it like, you know, he would say, don't be blaming the governor. He didn't make church irrelevant. The church people did. And I'm like, I'm with you, buddy. Come on now. Church is a big deal. God wants us to be together. I, I cannot stop and think, think about my, my life with how, without thinking about how church has helped me. Yeah. David, you think about this. David was never going to step foot in the temple. Think about that. Never, he'd never even see it. And yet he understood that it was important in the plan of God. It was important. You know, church is a place where we gather to worship the Lord. And let me just say this, when we say, you know, some churches are like, well, the worship was great. What they mean by that was the music that, that played to their flat. We're not talking about that. That's not worship. That's music. That's worship is an attitude of, God, you have first place in my life. Yeah. And music and, and all the things we do can stop and have us think like, God, you are important. You are a big deal. You are number one in our life. You know, church promotes that. It's a place where we serve the Lord. It's a place where we can do things for others and, and we can be involved with being an encouragement to those that need it. Amen. It's a place where we fulfill the purposes of God. God's purpose is this world and God wants to get the truth of Jesus Christ to everybody in this world and he uses the agency of the church to get it done. Amen. By the way, that's a big deal to us. That, that's why we need buildings, by the way. We aren't going to just got 10 people sitting here and it's like, we're just going to stay indoors and we'll just read our Bibles and we don't care about what's going out there in the world. We're concerned. We want people to know God. 
By the way, if God's been a good thing for my life, do you think that he might be a good thing for somebody else's life? Then why would we not keep that? Why would, I mean, why would we keep that to ourselves? The church encourages us to get the word out. It's a place where the word of God is to be taught and preached and uplifted. And by the way, we're going to uplift the word of God. Not going to just come up with our own philosophies. They got these things now where these guys like to put their little television screen here and they preach from their television screen. I don't know. I kind of like the Bible. I think that's what we should be showing you. Not like your little cute little statement on some television. Okay? Television is what you use to watch your football team lose. Unless you have the right team. Okay. Or, oh, hey, it's playoff. Or your team loses in basketball. It's where we invest in God's work because we want this gospel out. Amen. Let me ask this before I move on. Do you have a desire to God's house? Is it a big thing to you? And I know, look, Sundays are great until the alarm clock goes off. I get it. That alarm clock goes off. I'm not like, amen. I'm like, sledgehammer. Okay, we get the Baptist flu, right? Man, we've been healthy all week long, but Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm sick. By the way, if you're sick, stay home. But don't manufacture sickness, right? Or little Johnny's sick, you know? And so it takes 12 people to stay home to watch little Johnny. Okay? And by the way, I know some little Johnnies, they need 12 people to keep an eye on them. Okay? I, I, I get that sometimes. So bring them to the nursery. We'll have 12 people hang on to them for you. Okay, let's be very careful. And let me say this. I just have to say every now and then, it's a new mentality. I love the live stream, but it's not church. Well, you know, my toenail is really sore today. I'll just watch. Look, God wants us to assemble together. You know what live stream is for? It's when you are legitimately sick. I get that. At least you can watch it. When, I, when, my, when my appendix ruptured, and, and uh, that's 2010, they didn't catch it. I was sick for weeks, and I didn't realize my appendix had ruptured. Like, man, why can't I get better? I, I didn't leave the house, but, you know, I'm glad I could watch something. I could watch the services. And so that's what it's for. Church is a big deal, and I hope church is important for, to you. And if church is important to you, I want it to be important to other people. And so David understand the importance of it, but not just the importance of church. David understood the importance of God's will, verse 3. He's not allowed to build the temple. So verse 3 says, and David prepared iron in abundance for the nails, for the doors of the gates, and for the joining, and all these other areas, and, and cedar, and all this stuff. You say, what is that all about? David's preparing for his son. These are the supplies. He's buying the, uh, let's put it in today's thing, right? He's buying the studs. He's buying the drywall. He's buying the nails. He's buying the tile. He's getting all this stuff together so that when Solomon goes to build it, he's got a lot of stuff ready to go. Okay, that's important. That, why did David do that? Not that he would ever see it, as I mentioned, because he knew that God wanted it done, and it was God's will, and he says, if it's God's will, I want to be a part of it. By the way, we do that. Think about missionaries. Missionaries come into our church, and they're going to preach the gospel in a country we'll never go to. But it's God's will for them to go to that country. So what we say is, I can't go to that country, or God hasn't called me to go to that country. I will support them so that they can go to that country. You're helping them fulfill God's will. God's will is a big deal. 
And so let's be invested in what God wants, whether it's in our life. By the way, that's a good place to start. God, what do you want in my life? I'll tell you where you start out. Just read your Bible and find out what God wants you to do. You do that, it'll all be well. In the church, what does God want us to do? He wants us to be a, a place where the gospel is central and we get the gospel out to everybody we can. What about God's will in this world? We talked about missions and other things. What about in our families? And I won't spend time on this. We, we're a little bit behind on our time. But how many, of our, how many of you parents look at your children and say, you know, I want them to, 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 to get a good job and be rich or make money. I don't want them to go out and, and be a missionary or, or plant a church or serve God on a church staff. The other ones could do that. What about our kids? Look at what I, you know what I'm not telling my kids what to do but I just want them to do God's will. Amen. That's all I want. Amen. Are we just open to that? Yeah. You know uh, I'm, I'm thinking God might want me to be a missionary over you don't want to do that son. And by the way uh, you know Russell Anderson how many of you know him? He recently yeah. died. He was a very rich man that that would give lots of money to help ministries. Not ours. I don't know why, but lots of, and uh, he was, you know what? If we said, hey, God needs more Russell Andersons. Now, he drove a nice car, too. You'd all come running down to the front like God calling me to be a Russell Anderson. Okay. By the way, we could use some of those. Not against it. But, you know, to go take the gospel to the world, it's just what does God want for your life? We want to push God's will. It's found in his word, and it's found for your life, and that's what we want. He also talked about the importance of giving. Look at verse 5. And David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender, and the house that is to be built, builded for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent. That just sounds really good. Of the fame and glory throughout all the countries, I will now, therefore, make preparation for it. And by preparation, what he's saying is, I'm going to give to it. Do we not do that everywhere else? Yep. How many of these hospitals and so forth, you know, the, 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 many of them are, 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 have uh, these, these donors behind it and libraries and all these community things. And I'm not against any of that. Don't get me wrong. We need to reach out in those areas. But what about in a spiritual sense? Sometimes we forget about the importance of, of spiritual life. Because what we do is we look at somebody and we're, we're like, you know, you look at them and it seems that everything in their life going on is good. Yeah. They're doing fine. But are they doing fine spiritually? Come on. Right? We don't see that sometimes. But it's just a fact of the matter is we need to invest. There's nothing wrong. Many of you, I'm sure, you have financial investments. Why? You're looking to the future. And, and you should. You should look to the future if you can do that. But we get so caught up in that, that's nothing wrong with that, but we won't make investments in the spiritual future. We hang on to it so tightly. I read a story, and I don't know the details of it. I read it a couple times, and it kind of gave me a headache. But um, Benjamin Franklin, when he died, he left a good amount of money. How many of you ever heard that story? And it was to be used in two increments, the first hundred years and the second hundred years. And it was for the cities of Boston and Philadelphia, two cities that had meaning to him. And I do know the first hundred years, he put it to where it would be collecting interest, and that money would be used for young men that were starting a trade and wanted to start some type of business, and they would use loans, and they would pay it back at their thing, and I don't know what it was, but he set aside money that was being used for two 
hundred years. And with all the interest it was making, it was a good amount of money. Of course, until the cities of Boston and Philadelphia decided after 200 years, they didn't want to wait anymore. They wanted the money for themselves. But to think that he thought ahead to something like that, to help tradesmen. We need to look to the spiritual future. We need to invest in it heavily. He also mentioned the importance of faithfulness. Verse 5 again, he says, So David prepared abundantly until his death. I mean, it was a continual thing. Once David found out that he's not building the house, it is Solomon. He's the one that's going to build the house. David said from that time until the day David died, he was on board with investing to get that job done. He was faithful to it. They didn't have any building campaign. It was him on his own saying, this is a big deal to me. This is what God wants. I'm going to be faithful to the end of my days. What a great principle for us faithfulness. Too many Christians are, they, they, they're bright, they, they, they shine and then they go down. It's like we're so inconsistent. Why can we just not be consistent? By the way, we're not going to build a spiritual future with inconsistent Christianity. Amen. Parents, your children are watching you. Okay? Well, you know, church is a big deal unless, you know, my team is playing on Sunday. Church is a big deal unless there's an activity I want to go to. Is it a big deal or is it not? Living for God, is it a big deal or is it not? Striving to love the Lord, is it a big deal or is it not? We're not perfect. Amen. None of us are perfect. But you know there's one thing we can all strive for in the midst of our imperfection? Faithfulness. We can all do that. Look, you're a parent. Your kids don't expect you to walk on water. They know you have weaknesses and flaws. They get it. But you know, faithfulness is something that speaks. Faithfulness is like, look, no one expects you to be, but it must be a big deal to them because they're faithful to it. Are we faithful to everything we're supposed to be doing for the Lord that God wants us to do? We'll never make a difference if we're unfaithful in the present. Okay? He also talked about, and this is a big deal, we mentioned it already, the importance of future generations. Verse 6. Then, then he called for Solomon his son and charged him to build a house for the Lord God. And David did, said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house unto, unto the name of our Lord our God. Verse 11. Now, my son, the Lord be with thee and prosper thou and build the house of the Lord thy God as he had said of thee. Only the Lord give thee wisdom. And understand it and give thee charge concerning Israel that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. That then shalt thou prosper if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgment which the Lord charged Moses concerning Israel. Be strong and of a good courage. Dread not nor be dismayed. See, David even stepped in to say, God said my son's going to do it. And so he didn't wait until he was gone and God spoke to him. And by the way, God did speak to, to Solomon, Right? Remember, he comes and tells Solomon, he says, listen, um, you can have whatever you want. By the way, how many of you like God to come, you know, Aladdin got three wishes, he only got one. And it wasn't even a wish, God said, tell me what you want, you have it. And he answered so correctly, he goes, I just want wisdom and an understanding heart to lead your people. God said, you didn't ask for money, you didn't ask for long life, you didn't ask for uh, your kingdom to be peaceful and have uh, uh, victory over your enemies. I'm going to give you wisdom, and I'm going to give you that too. Wow. 
So God spoke to Solomon, but you know what? David didn't take any chances. David spoke to Solomon too. David said, hey, God's got something for you here. God's got something. God let me know this is what you're supposed to do. And he encouraged his son to keep going for God and fulfill his will. Can we not do that? Are we not... Are we, not, are we not burdened about these next generation and wanting them to experience the joy of serving God and encouraging them to do what God wants them to do? Listen, I don't know the exact details of what God wants for every one of our lives, but I do know this for a fact. The most joy you'll ever have in life and the greatest life you'll ever live is a life of following God. That is it. I know that for a fact. I've been on both sides of the fence. And I know this, this side of the fence is much better. And I don't regret one day giving my life to God. I don't. I, you know what I regret? I regret I didn't do it earlier. Because I, listen, it's just, sometimes I'm like, life isn't perfect, I understand that, but I'm like, Lord, this is just too good. Serving you is the best thing ever. Why wouldn't we encourage the children to follow God? Why wouldn't we encourage that next generation? Everything, if you read the Old Testament, read as they were going into the promised land, how, how God said, hey, the, you're going to do this, and when they ask you about that, tell them what I did. Put these stones up. Put, Brother Beck mentioned it Thursday about a remembrance, but all these different feasts, when they ask you, why do we have these feasts, Dad? You tell them what I did. So that they remember. Everything's about the next generation. If you have children, you understand that. It's a shame what's going on in our country and what some parents are doing in the name of, of political correctness to their children. My children are not a social experiment. They're not. I just want them to serve God. I just want them like, look, follow God in your life. That's the best thing you'll ever do. And let's keep that going. And then he talked about the importance of teamwork. Verse 17. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon, his son. You know, David pulled them all together and said, now look, now look, I'm going, I'm going to be gone soon, and you guys are the leaders around here, and you're still going to be here. Help my son. Get on board with this project. Encourage them to be a part of what is going on. If we're going to fulfill God's purposes in our, in our church, and as we look to the future, it takes all of us. Yep. But you know, isn't that what the, the staff gets paid for? No. Now, yes, we get paid to do the work of God, okay? We don't sit around our offices and drink coffee and play cards. Okay, we do drink coffee. We just don't play cards. But, but look, look, it's, I was, the stuff I'm doing now, I was doing that before I ever worked on a church staff. I was going to church. I was teaching Sunday school. I was running a bus route. I was working and I was serving, cleaning up. You name it, I did it because I just loved doing it. Why? Because I was a Christian, and it was the greatest thing. It takes all of us working together. By the way, you are important. You are. Someone has said that as a Christian, when it comes to serving the Lord together in the church, you are a gift to the church. Now, some of you probably need to be returned. I don't know. Just kidding. Just kidding. Kidding. We didn't get a receipt. No. All of you have, well, Raul, I was thinking about you. All of us have different talents. God brings us together to do his work. We're all needed. Amen. God needs you. God wants you to work. If we're going to accomplish anything for God, it's going to take all of us. Yeah. And, I'm, and just to be practical here, as we look to this offer, as we're trying to get this thing done, it takes all of us being involved to whatever extent that God allows us to. 
And then the last thing here, we're done. The importance of devotion. The importance of devotion. He tells him in verse 18, is not the Lord your God with you? And then in verse 19, he gives him one last admonition. Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. You notice how he just kept everything in perspective? I mean, imagine being Solomon. Like, hey, son, I got all this stuff I prepared. God, and by the way, that temple was magnificent. Uh, history tells us it was probably worth more, several billion dollars in all the stuff. Now, that was a different, that's where God had his things. We're not building a billion dollar building. We're nowhere near it. But, but he says, now, all this stuff you have to do, all this encouragement I gave you, but you know what the most important thing is? You need to, you need to seek God. You know what determined whether a king was a good king or a bad king? Did they seek God? Yep. That was it. Do you know what determined whether or not they won the battles or they lost the battles? Did they seek God? Yep. Do you know what determined whether or not their country went the right direction or the wrong direction? It's did they seek God? And he says, Solomon, don't forget, you need to seek God. And God gave Solomon unique wisdom. I know he struggled at the end of his life, but early on he was on point. We see that in, in Proverbs and all the different things. Let's make sure we're devoted to God. Let's make sure that, look, we're not going to be interested in the things of God if we are not interested in God. Right? You know, when I started dating my wife, I was interested in what she was interested in. Why? Not that I like some of those girly things. Okay? I don't. I'm interested in her. Now, before I met her, I could care less what she thought. I didn't know her, okay? So, I mean, it's like, but hey, if it's interesting to you, I remember she, she got in, she tried, I remember we were on a date one time, we went to college, and we're, we're, in this, we're in this lodge, it's the middle of winter, it's freezing, and it was, a, the Rose Bowl was on. I know UCLA was playing. So, I'm like, hey, let's sit down and watch a little bit of the Rose Bowl. Hey, you should watch football, you know? She's trying to be real nice, and I'm interested in it. And we sat down, and she's like, we're watching it. She goes, hey, how many innings are there in football? Those of you not laughing, innings are baseball. And I'm like, you know what? Let's go do something else, okay? But she was interested in what I was interested in. Why don't we get interested? If we're interested in God, we're interested in what he's doing. Here's the point. Let's not live for ourselves. These things we have are important for us now, right? But they're important for us if we're going to make a difference in the future. Let's think about what God wants us to do. By the way, you go to, you say, well, I'm going to die and be in heaven someday. You know, you'll be rewarded and God will bless you. God will reward you in heaven for what you're doing. God sees what we're doing down yeah. here. You volunteer an hour. You, you Sunday school teachers teaching those children. And some of them, you need a restraining order. But so, super, they're super energetic. Okay. By the way, energetic kids don't, don't bother me. They're either going to be, you know, in prison for the rest of their life or the greatest missionary God ever saw. And I'm going to try to help them to be the missionary. But you know what? God sees all that. You're invest let's, let's invest in the future while we're doing the work now. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. Thank you for listening. I know we won a few minutes later. We had a couple extra things this morning. But let's be like David. David had his things he had to take care of because he was still the king. He was still leading God's people. But he didn't let the fact that... that in spite of the things he had to do, and he didn't get to build the temple, he didn't let that stop him from building the temple. 
He said, I'm in on this thing because this is what God wants. He had a now and later mentality. That's what we need. Let's serve God today. Let's do what God wants us today because it's going to have an impact and make a difference far after we are gone from here. That's the mentality to have. The future of our church is wrapped up in the now. There's a picture I'm going to show later. My favorite picture of this building campaign, Pastor Esposito. This was just a dirt patch. The building wasn't here. It was all dirt. And they came out here and they outlined where the platform was going to be. And we had a little service out there on the dirt. They put the chairs where they were going to be when this building is done. It's literally this building with plastic chairs and pastors just sitting in the middle of the dirt looking at all the chairs. You know what he was looking at? He was looking at the future. And by the way, because of his illness, he's not here. But this church would not, this would not be here without him. He saw the future. He was invested in the future. And what we enjoy today is because of his investment and his promotion of God back then. I think we should have that mentality. And as we get into this program, please think of it that way. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord. You just walked in or you're, you're, you're newer here. The future is eternity. And where we spend eternity determines on the decisions we make today. Here's the question. Are you 100% for sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven, or do you have any doubt? You say, Pastor, I have a little doubt. I couldn't give you a biblical reason why I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure. With nobody looking around, let me just ask this question. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not 100% for sure if I were to die today, I'd go to heaven. But I'd like to know. Pastor, would you pray for me? If you do me a favor, just put your hand up real quick, and I'll, I'll recognize it, look at it, and I'll pray for you. Anybody like that at all? Okay. Let's stand together. What are you doing for the future? I know this, if we're doing nothing in the present, we're not doing anything for the future. We have to work in the present for today and as we look to the future. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? Why don't you come?